Our next speaker is Sikandra Kodi. Sikandra is Associate Research Fellow in the Development Strategy and Governance Division at IFPRI, and she is based in our Cairo office. Sikandra was the lead researcher for the impact evaluation. So Sikandra, I'm very happy and looking forward to, to your uh, presentation. Okay, so thank you everyone for coming and uh, thanks uh, for all the uh, helpful introductions, especially for Dan Gilligan, who has already given a bit of the motivation here. Uh, so conflict is now a major driver of food insecurity globally and we're interested in the impacts of cash transfers in conflict situations in particular um, because it's becoming an increasingly popular mode of humanitarian aid delivery. Uh, cash transfers tend to be less expensive and preferred by beneficiaries and there's some suggestive evidence that they may be more beneficial for nutrition than in-kind food aid because um, they tend to be associated with greater dietary diversity. However, there's a lack of rigorous evidence for this because of the difficulty of conducting research in humanitarian settings. So the impact evaluation that I'm presenting today was originally designed uh, before the current conflict started. Back, as uh, Lemis had mentioned, this was originally a pilot program in three districts in El Hodeida. And at the time, we were able to randomize among second priority beneficiaries in the project. Uh, the randomization happened at the village level, and what we're going to be doing is comparing the treatment group, who are households who received cash conditional on attending the nutritional education sessions, which you saw about in the video, um, <laughs> with households in other villages that still had those nutritional educational sessions going on, but the households that were choosing in the control villages were not eligible for the program at, during the pilot program phase. So the main difference between the, the two types of households is receiving the conditional cash transfers, even though even for the control households, they had some access to these community health educators because they were active in their communities. The randomization that uh, we did to set up this evaluation before the conflict continued by inertia, inertia during the program resumption. You can see the timeline here. So we had the pilot intervention after the baseline started, then it was paused for um, almost a year, and then uh, started up again uh, as part of the uh, emergency crisis response program. Uh, also, just to mention in terms of the actual estimates, uh, these are going to be uh, based on self-reported treatment status um, because the uh, treatment assignment, even though it was mostly respected, it wasn't perfect. There is a number of households in the control communities that ended up getting some cash transfers. Um, so we're going to be reporting um, uh, IV estimates with uh, treatment assignment as instrumental variable. I'm going to give you now just uh, the main highlights for the results. If you're interested in the um, full analysis that's available in the published working paper, as Olivia had mentioned, um, the primary results we're uh, looking at is first consumption and then dietary diversity. Uh, so we're able to see that a large share of the cash transfers uh, were used for increased household food purchases. Uh, if you're comparing, these impact estimates are all comparing treatment to control and controlling for household characteristics. 
um, we see that households uh, increased their overall uh, consumption of food, and particularly that that increase was coming from non-staple foods. Uh, so there wasn't actually a change in consumption of staple calories, but households were consuming more milk, eggs, and fruits and vegetables. And those uh, impacts on non-staple food consumption were particularly strong in the poorest tercile of households in this, um, that were targeted by the program. As a result, both of the, this increased spending on uh, important complementary foods, as well as this important component of the nutritional education, which talked about uh, complementary food and the reason that young children need to be receiving not just staple foods, but also um, animal source proteins. Uh, we think both of these contributed to the fact that we do find uh, in this impact evaluation uh, significant impacts on first dietary diversity, um, so it's about uh, an increase of 0.8 food groups per day um, uh, compared to four being the minimally acceptable diet uh, for children at the age of complementary feeding. Um, uh, and then that's also going to be followed up by uh, uh, increases in anthropometrics. Oh, I'm going back to the wrong here, sorry. Okay, so in, uh, we have uh, the increases in consumption. We also have uh, uh, improved practices. So the nutritional education uh, sessions looked at complementary feeding. They also emphasize uh, uh, early initiation of breastfeeding and exclusive breastfeeding. Uh, both of those, in terms of self-reported uh, practices, increased dramatically in treatment compared to the control group, as well as the rate of treatment for water. And as a result of this combination of better nutritional practices and uh, better access uh, to food at the household level, uh, we see uh, uh, significant increases in nutritional outcomes for children. We have uh, first the decreased rate of child, children under five being diagnosed with malnutrition at a health center. Uh, so as I mentioned, the uh, comparison we're making here is between households receiving cash transfers and those not receiving cash transfers. Everyone had access to the same things you saw in the video in terms of um, better support with uh, reaching the health centers, but the households that are receiving the cash transfers and motivated to attend the training sessions uh, have much lower rates of uh, diagnosed malnutrition, both uh, moderate and uh, severe malnutrition. And we also, for the poorest households, for the poorest tercile of households, we see significant uh, uh, improvements in anthropometric outcomes. Uh, 0.43 in weight for HD scores, which is a measure of short-term nutritional deficiency, and 0.35 for height for HD scores, which is a measure of long-term nutritional deficiency. And these are, are pretty uh, large, relatively large impacts. Uh, again, it's particularly for the poorest tercile of, of households, and it's for the children that were measured at both baseline and follow-up. So these are children that were at the age of complementary feeding throughout the life of the program, um, and they are the children that we would expect to have the strongest impacts on. In addition to these results on household uh, food consumption and nutritional practices, the cash transfers also allowed households to make non-food purchases without drawing down their, their assets. So that's going to allow them to be more resilient uh, to coping with future shocks. Uh, we found that there was a significant decrease in the share of households that reported coping with shocks by selling gold or borrowing from neighbors. 
Um, and you can see uh, in the graph here that uh, a substantial, while most households are uh, self-reporting that they spent the transfers on food, uh, it's also common for them to uh, spend on health care and repaying debt. Finally, I mentioned that uh, we're comparing households that received cash conditional on the training sessions to households uh, that weren't receiving that cash, but everybody actually had access to the training sessions. We found actually a, a fairly substantial share of households in our sample, even those that were not receiving the cash transfers, still said that they either attended the training sessions or even if they didn't attend the training sessions, they um, said that they learned something from the community health educator, maybe indirectly um, or maybe through a conversation that wasn't officially part of the training sessions. Uh, it was actually 13% of control households that attended uh, the sessions and 26% uh, that still reported learning something new. Uh, so we see this as kind of pretty substantial spillover impacts. And uh, this is both kind of a positive finding for the program as a whole. And it means that some of our impact results might actually be underestimated because even our control households are partially benefiting from these uh, kind of informational interventions, even though they're not getting the cash. Um, that's suggested by the fact that we see significant increases between baseline and ex post uh, in some of our um, behavioral outcomes. Uh, so the um, knowledge about um, the health center location, iron-rich food for preventing anemia and exclusive breastfeeding, um, as well as some of the practices related to uh, water treatment are increasing even in the, the controlled households. Thank you.